Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. expanding legal pathways for migration to seek safety in humanitarian, on a humanitarian basis while discouraging unlawful migration that feeds exploitation and human trafficking. So today, I applaud China for stepping up. Excuse me, I applaud Canada. <laughs> I'm, you can tell what I'm thinking. President Biden has yet to announce an official re-election bid for 2024, but new polling indicates a decline in his approval. Today, the president's top brass was out in full force defending his agenda. White House correspondent Peter Ducey has that story from the North Lawn this evening. Hi, Peter. Good evening, Jillian. We just saw President Biden on the South Lawn of the White House. He was leaving town for a trip to Canada and a meeting with Justin Trudeau. And this foreign trip comes as a string of wins for this White House dries up. We're making health care more affordable. As President Biden gets into campaign mode. In fact, I like babies better than people. His approval rating is nearing an all-time low. Just 38% in a new AP survey, hovering two points above last July's 36% bottom. And Kamala, I want to thank you uh, for everything you've done. Her approval, even worse. Just 36% approving of the vice president right now, with 53% disapproving, according to Monmouth. Today, the Biden cabinet fanned out to ease fears about the big problems affecting those polls, like the health of the banking system. We have used important tools to act quickly to prevent contagion and they are tools we could use again. Chinese spying. We told uh, our Chinese counterparts the spy balloon flying over the United States uh, was unacceptable and could not happen again. And the response to a derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. This train did not meet the legal or technical definition of a high hazard flammable train. What would? President Biden isn't in the race yet, so his foil isn't a single Republican, but rather the House majority. Last year I proposed and the Congress passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which no Republican voted for, even the good ones. I don't mean good in moral sense, I mean the normal Republicans. And the president isn't just focusing on things passed since he became president, reminding people how excited he was as VP and Obamacare. Again, self-incrimination. But Jonathan, you said in the lead in the walls are closing in on Donald Trump. Undeniably, that is true. It Welcome back to another episode of Flavor Politic Podcast. It's the 26th of March, year of our Lord, 2023, and the walls are closing in. 
and our president doesn't like opposition, but he likes China. And Tony found some old sound bites, so I decided to uh, use some. We'll watch some more in a few seconds. I cleaned up my hard drives. I have an external, and I have a hard drive on the computer because it came with an SDD that didn't have any space. And man, I've been just chucking files, and I found all sorts of crap. So today we're just going to do a super bias section in a military corner. Uh, you know, it's nice to see. I can see really well. And uh, because I can see really well, you know, when I went through the whole last podcast, I want to start doing this section up front where, you know, I cover some stuff from the last podcast that may have expanded instead of, you know, what I usually do is just insert it in the next show, but, you know, just kind of close the loop on things. You know, I probably would have played for my rebuttal to Mr. Carlisle, the fiery but mostly peaceful montage and juicy. So let's go down. Dilly do, dilly do, the way back syndrome. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. That ain't a riot. What we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. I argue to you tonight: all punches are not equal. Morally, it says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times. But thank goodness for the looters, man. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I don't care that much about statues. Respectfully, should that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. What you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened before and then this is so terrible and we're... This is stomach-turning, mind boggling Mm -hmm. information. It's it's out of control. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi tweeting the racist homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is an affront to our humanity. And Senator Cory Booker said the vicious attack on actor Jesse was an attempted modern day lynching. Kamala Harris calling the attack an attempted modern day lynching. I'm so shaken by the story. This is horrible to report. This is a horrible story. This is a horrible story. Yeah. I mean, the circumstances are just horrific. Horrendous and unacceptable. Absolutely despicable. Yeah, a lot of people can't believe this is actually happening in 2019. It's hard to believe that we're reporting, that we're even saying words like this in 2019. Mm -hmm. And this is America in 2019. And this is America in 2019. It's our This is America section because it's just, it's everything about everything. I hope the glasses don't freak anybody out. Once again, I'm going to keep talking about them because I'm not used to them. I, I did a full day yesterday with them, and I notice I don't even notice I have it. So let's get into some slides before we close the loop. This is not a surprising study. Um, they reference far right a hundred fucking times. 
That's what they do. And they never say far left. That's why Mr. fucking... What was the sound? Some of the ultra-conservative wing of the Republican oh, yeah, caucus. That, yeah, let's play this. This is the study, because you're going to see it in a second, because we're going to do some stuff uh, in reference to uh, Bragg and J6. But it's smart, you know, when you when you... As a media, if your purpose is to, to push one political party, which is what our media is, um, you know, calling it far right, ultra, uber, scooper, pooper, scooper, mega, and white Christian nationalists and all this stuff. I mean, it's really very important because you've got to demonize, you know, if anything we know about liberal politics and back in the day when I was younger, conservative politics is you make your opposition evil. And then people look at them and go, Oh, those people are not good. You need to vote for me because I'm good. They're bad. And that's just politics. But in our media, it's nonstop. It just never fucking ends. It's just one long fucking nightmare of those people are bad and we're good. So vote for us. But that's a long, a, a long time. And this was the accompanying soundbite that came with it, which we'll play and then do a few more stories. Some in the ultra-conservative wing of the Republican caucus are willing to crash this global economy, and then they'll go ahead and blame President Biden. The House Freedom Caucus, which is the sort of far-right, ultra-conservative wing. The Freedom Caucus, that ultra-conservative faction. A small group of ultra-conservative Republicans deny McCarthy the Speaker's gavel. Hard-right factions of the GOP. Hard-right-wing conservative. The ultra-conservative Never Kevin Caucus won a number of concessions from California's Kevin McCarthy. Benjamin Netanyahu sworn in for a record sixth time as prime minister He's leading what could be the most right-wing and religiously conservative government in the country's history. A coalition described as the most extreme right-wing in the country's history. What is being called the most right-wing government, the most far-right in the country's history. You're very focused on school board races in Illinois to make sure extreme right-wing candidates aren't dominating. These extreme MAGA people who are still supporting him. Far-right conspiracy theorists. Some of those far-right members. Far-right former President Jair Bolsonaro. The targeted group's ideology is similar to that of far-right groups here in the U.S. Far-right threat inside the United States. What this man had was a uh, very far-right viewpoint. Megan faced credible threats from far-right extremists. They're very far-right, uh, and they seem to be small, anti-democratic. It starts with him. Remember, it is why I am so angry uh, about Meet the Press, because it used to be the unbiased show and the host dug into everybody, but we don't do that now. We label everybody who doesn't agree with the left as fucking evil people. I mean, that's just what we do. It's fucking, it's fucking horrible. It's just fucking horrible. So, Stop calling us with this bullshit. Manhattan DA Bragg office insults, hangs up on Judiciary Committee staffers repeatedly and curses them out, and it will never make the news, but it made Mediate. Um, so that that's something. 
At least 25 are dead after a rare, long-lasting F4 tornado. Prayers to those people. That night here, I literally jumped up. I didn't wake up. I jumped up. It sounded like my fucking house was getting leveled. And it was just 70-mile-an-hour winds. And we were in the weaker cells, which is just unfucking believable Julie Kelly, who seems to be the only journalist going into this, is breaking down J6. Breaking news, just when you think DOJ can't get any dirtier. New motion just filed by defense and Proud Boys trial accusing DOJ of using an FBI informer to spy on and infiltrate the defense team. Holy shit, this is beyond dirty. D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves' office notified defense team today that a defense witness has been an FBI informant since the beginning of the case through start of trial. The CHS participated in prayer meetings with the defendant's family, and that's not America. That, that's not what we do. That's not our justice system. And I once again want to bring up to the fucking lefties that may listen to this who believe in dis and misinformation. If that was happening to an Antifa member, we'd be writing articles of how it's going to affect marginalized group. 1,000 people have been arrested. And I want to blow this up just, just to make the point. Those aren't all white people. But that's how the media portrayed it. And they're going to do another 1,000. Because why not? MTG who I can't stand, went to see him, and they made articles like this. GOP moving closer to January 6th rioters. Closer. Antifa burned entire cities down, and you cocksuckers bailed them out. The vice president did, and that person ended up beating somebody to death. So, yeah, there's that. This is Vindman's wife. Not going to read it. I just always like to bring up anything with Vindman. He was not a bipartisan person. He was a liberal. That whole case is bullshit because Obama said it on tape. Okay, to TikTok. Some residual layover with our media on TikToky. Here are two sound bites. So much of the community I've created is is on TikTok. That's what I've devoted my life to working and creating for. Duncan Joseph makes a living creating TikTok videos for his 4.5 million followers. Do you think that the lawmakers who are asking the questions today understand TikTok? I think there are some people that definitely have never used the app, haven't even seen it working, and you can tell because one even one lawmaker even called it TikTok. The CEO also promising to focus on safety for teenagers, with TikTok implementing age-based restrictions and time limits for its youngest users. All of it, as some supporters say, TikTok is being singled out, despite broader issues across all social media platforms. You're jumping off a cliff to ban TikTok, and we haven't even had a, lo- have a larger conversation around the understanding of how all this works. 
Now, following the hearing, a TikTok spokesperson told NBC News the company's CEO came to answer questions, but they say the day was dominated by political grandstanding. They also noted that some 5 million American businesses use TikTok to reach customers. That was one of those points yeah. that many of those creators on the Hill were actually making in the lead up to this also. TikTok creators nationwide on edge, fearing a possible ban. It's not looking good. It honestly looks like TikTok will get banned, which makes me so sad. So y'all trying to ban TikTok because it endangers children, but there was a mass shooting yesterday. Well, TikTok tracks your data. So does Twitter, so does Facebook. <laughs> Reed Moon says his Utah bookstore, Moon's Rare Books. Now I've got a lot of cool books here. Struggled during the pandemic and was given a new life when he joined the app. We have almost recouped all of our COVID losses. Nine out of 10 people visiting our bookstore said, I had to come by. Make it one soundbite because I fucked up and grabbed the wrong shit. Editorial, this is from the LA Times because they're super woke. It, they're scapegoating it. You can tell they don't want to get rid of this. They, they don't want this to happen because they know how important it is for the left to have it. I mean, this is the paper of the gray lady. No, there's no implicit bias in that. There's no bias at all. Uh, Noam Bloom wrote a tweet on it. I missed it last time. I'm sneaking a monster. My wife doesn't want me drinking it. So I come in the basement and I sneak a monster like I'm doing some kind of uh, drug. The fact that TikTok's an incubator for social contagion has to be deliberate. And here's my argument. If there wasn't some kind of subtle hidden hand behind amplifying the crazy, why would the CCP need an entire separate but identical app for use in China? Because mm, their people can't use it. You can't get TikTok in China. Only Douyin, which is exactly, I didn't say that right, I don't care. TikTok, but without any of the content that's on TikTok. You can download Douyin in the West, but cannot get TikTok in China. They would easily have the ability to run one system with China content filter, but don't. To me, the signals that the difference is how the content algorithm operates in both systems, since it would be much more complicated to run two concurrent content algorithms, depending on what content is generated. Basically, my theory is that TikTok amplifies insane people and fringe radical society-breaking stuff, but theirs doesn't. Of course. And the left love it. They, they just... They love it. Because they're biased. That is... Before we go into super bias, I, I, I saw this and I was just kind of in shock. They were traveling through Tennessee to a funeral. A traffic stop let them trying to get their five children back from child services. Anybody want to know why? Oh, I know why. Because they had drugs and they got caught for trafficking. It was traffic level with guns. But the media made it like another case of the justice system fucking over black people. No, you broke the law. You're trafficking fucking drugs. Two stories I didn't slide, but they're very interesting. Crackle Barrel joins Walmart in closing all locations near this major city. What city do we think? Dum, 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 It's Portland, Oregon, but Antifa is not a thing. Are you crazy? Are you smoking crack 
It's just an idea. It's a theory. They're just like guys who stormed Normandy. Yeah. Okay. So for super bias, if you if you remember three shows ago, I said these lying cocksuckers on MSDNC and CNN were going to infer that DeSantis tortured people at Gitmo. I'm talking like my wife when she's mad at me. She does this a lot. <clears throat> really worries me. She watched Murder Show and she does karate chops. I'm going to die one day and just won't be here. It wasn't an accident. I'm going to do a Jussie. I am not suicidal. She's going to kill me in my sleep. Anyway, here they are. They did it. They're the winner, winner, chicken dinner, but it's not the worst one because I got a new vaguely weird sound. I don't like the sound. I got to go find something different before I air it. Of uh, Super biased soundbite of the week. I got two just doozies. Um, but, yeah, this would be the winner if there wasn't more fucked up jackassery on our media. We are not fake news. We are real news. Uh, Juanita DeSantis was also asked about the Washington Post reporting on his time in the Navy at Guantanamo Bay, including allegations that he advised the use of force feeding against prisoners participating in hunger strikes. Have a listen. I was a junior officer. I didn't have authority to authorize anything. Mm. There may have been a commander that would have done feeding if someone was going to die, but that was not something that I would have even had authority to do. Juanita, do you think this part of DeSantis' record is going to get more attention in the future? I mean, there's so much more that could come out about him, his time in the Navy, his time in Congress, his time before politics as a teacher. So far, he's been cocooned in his safe right-wing space of Florida right. for so long. Absolutely, it's going to get more play, especially when people start running back that 2018 clip where he directly says to an interviewer, yeah, I was giving legal advice, and yeah, I advise force-feeding people. And There are two ways to look at this. Either they want Trump to be there because they think they can beat Trump, or they are really scared of DeSantis. And what should have been a week focused on bad news about Trump, a possible indictment looming over him, DeSantis is the one who's facing most skepticism about whether he's ready to run in 2024. Red states, absolutely just look at you guys. Why Trump's bad week illegal peril was actually worse for Ron DeSantis. This is just absolute art. It's art. Guys, she was a HuffPost reporter and came from CAP and Think Progress. Amanda Turkle, not surprised. Vanity Fair comes up with our next, and I could do hundreds, but I'm just kind of giving examples. This is this is where our media is at now, just all over shit. They're going to dog anybody who runs. If a dog catcher runs for president, they'll dog his ass. Look what they did to Yeezy. Ron DeSantis keeps the media at arm's length, but in 2024, buzz picks up. New organiz- news organizations are jockeying for journalists who may give them a leg up. I'm not even reading it. One thing they did get pissed off is Dana shut down Florida schools Dragon Donuts event featuring drag queen Mama Ashley Rose. Hmm. But it's just not him. Here you have uh, that cunt bag from uh, freaking The View, the conservative Navarro, Florida sucks. That's why everybody's moving there, but you know. And then a whole MSNBC soundbite of just every Republican is garbage Nazi Mussolini. 
Sunny told me this morning I need to find my uh, my, my happiness. She's she sending needs to me to, go to Finland. Master class. <laughs> but, uh, she was upset at like 8:30. I was like, you need to go to Finland. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe if you lived in Florida, you'd be upset 24 That's hours true. a day. Too. That's true. Trying to move. That's true. You know. But uh, I mean, I, I was noticing that the three top countries of happiness are Finland, Denmark, Iceland. Que frio. Que frio. I mean, there's yeah. got to be some sort of connection there because the average temperature in Finland is 19 degrees. Yeah, it was, cold. it was cold. In Miami, it's 74. So I was, you know, I was looking at this application process and you have to send evidence, a video with evidence that, that you're secretly an inner Finn. I was thinking of applying after you suggested it, but I'm not sure I could pass as an inner Finn. I went online yeah, and tried no. to see, you know, uh, Cuban restaurants in Finland. <laughs> Pastelitos de Guayaba in Finland. <laughs> no. Best taco places in Finland. They've got good fish. They've got good fish. It sounds like they're happy. I'm telling you right now, pickled Anna. herring ain't gonna do it for me. <laughs>
You know, it's unbelievable how lockstep the media is. They're just unbelievable. Trying to get to where I was. This this is the New York Times. Divided House passed a GOP bill on hot-button school issues. The legislation will require schools to obtain parent consent to honor a student's request to change gender-identifying pronouns. Democrats said it would bring the conflict over social issues to the classroom. It's already in the classroom, dicks. But in a speed round, Republicans wave, wage war, education, culture war, 2024 uh, fucking comes into light or whatever, the Guardian. You get um, NPR, which we pay for, is all up in this. I mean, there are so many NPR fucking stories. Uh, this one, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will soon take control of Walt Disney World's self-governing district, blah, 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 with the bill. And yeah, I read that with my glasses. That's a rarity. Then they do uh, this one. Plot twist, activists skirt book bans with gorilla giveaway and pop-up libraries because it's so important for the left to give dick-sucking graphic books to kids. NPR cancels four podcasts amid major layoff. That has nothing to do with it, though. It isn't that they only fucking talk to one audience. I mean, I remember in my youth, I loved All Things Considered, and then became All Things Progressive. This one's one of my favorite. This is right on the screen, and, and you go into it. Let me get to it really quick. It is AP again. Book ban attempts hit record high in 2022. And, of course, is a picture of DeSantis. You have locals. Missouri lawmakers strip library funding. Ted Lieu lying because that's all they do is lie. They never speak truth. The Meg HR bill makes it easier for other parents to ban books from your child to read. I know it doesn't. Aaron Rupar. So much of this Republican freakout over parents' rights is just a reaction to the idea their kids might learn about something in a school that pierces their own regressive worldview. No! No. That's not what it's about. It's about the fact that you're trying to sexualize children because it benefits you at the polling or the voting booth. Here is a Nebraska Democrat this is kind of creepy. I mean, it's so... It's like this transing the kids and giving them books, showing blowjobs is almost reaching abortion fanaticism on the left. Throughout the entire course of this negotiation, let's see, today's day 49. So, you know, for the last 49 days of conversation, which with the speaker, with other legislative leaders in this body has kind of revolved around this bill, frankly. Um, We've made it clear that this is a line in the sand. And people have said, well, what if we go after your bills? What if we put a bunch of bills introduced by progressives up on the agenda? Are you gonna filibuster those too? Yeah. Yes, because we're not like you. We have a principle and a value that actually matters that much to us that we're willing to stand up for. This is how much this matters to us. You guys really don't get it. You really don't get that the session is over. 
And you're asking what precedent this sets. Is everything going to be like this now? Anytime anybody doesn't like a bill, is it going to be like this now? Subsequent motions, taking time, filibustering every bill? No. The fact that you're asking that shows me that you really don't get it, Senator Von Gillern. You really don't get it. You've crossed a line and you've gone too far. This bill harms me in an unforgivable way. And this is a line that you don't cross with me. If you cross it today, you're staying on the other side of it because you have done irreparable harm and you're doing harm to the body and to Nebraska as well. Don't say hi to me in the hall. Don't ask me how my weekend was. Don't walk by my desk and ask me anything. Don't send me Christmas card. Take me off the list. You don't know me. We have no relationship. And if you don't believe me, if you think I'm gonna cool down and change my mind, you should believe me. No one in the world holds a grudge like me. And no one in the world cares less about being petty than me. I don't care. I don't like you. You want welcome in my space. You aren't a safe person for my child to be around. Or any child, frankly. We're talking about books that show this. Flamer by Mike Curato was founded Broward, Collier, Hillsboro, Marion, Seminole, and Volusia County Schools. The camp the boys go to in the book has an island that the book says looks like a frying pan, but we're all certain it looks like a f***ing balls. It also contains a shower scene with a group of boys where a young man gets an erection. Another where a boy watches porn and asks, why is there so much hair? While noting that those are so big and if none of this causes you to pause, there's another section where a group of boys masturbate together and are pressured to ejaculate into a bottle. Let's Talk About It by Erica Moen and Matthew Nolan was found in a Broward County school and contains graphic depictions of how to masturbate for males and females while also including an entire section for anal sex with an encouragement to use a butt plug. Even more startling is the guide on how to sext for children, encouraging them to send photos that don't include your face, hide your birthmarks and scars, and edit out your piercings and tattoos. Books by Rupi Kaur, such as Homebody, Milk and Honey, and The Sun and Her Flowers, have been found in 15 schools. Homebody says masturbation writer wants someone to look me in the eyes when you're down there eating for your life. These books are clearly not just conversation starters about the birds and the bees. They are pushing an agenda. Gender Queer was found in Orange, St. Lucie, and Hillsborough County schools, and is a graphic novel depicting masturbation and encouraging trans surgery by equating the scars from top surgery, the cutting off of females' breasts, with a tattoo. That's what they're fighting for. Why does a kid need to see that? 
At least in grade school. Why is that important? And that's where they're finding them. I remember time in the country, and I said it before, but if you're just stumbling across the show, I found something. It was in a paperback. I read it. It was sexual. I handed it to my mom. handed it to the teacher. The teacher gave it to the library. They went through, and they took out a bunch of paper books that were donated, but they were adult-related books, and they never should have been there. That's how we acted about it. Now, you're a Nazi if you don't want to see, you know, you don't want your kids seeing blowjobs. Okay. That's where we're at. That's that's the party. That's the party of progress, I guess. Um, I don't know. So, going to our next sound bites, because we kind of incorporated top six into all this fucking shit. This is uh, the woke push. There's a PBS Hypes UN report. Take drastic steps for the calamity of the earth. Dr. Biden, well, it's been really warm because of global warming in the United States. Okay. A border one that nobody will fucking cover because, well, when they do cover it, they just blame fucking Trump. Really warm because of global warming in the United States. So. See, it's a strange winter. So yeah, it is. It didn't get cold right away. It was pretty mild for most of the winter, and then it got really cold in February. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 In the West Coast, a great deal of rain and a lot of forest fires. And we've got a tough, tough year. It's a warm More of our forestry has burned to the ground this year than the entire state of Maryland. That's how much it was. Our scientists warn today that climate change is warming the planet to the point where it's causing irreversible damage in some parts of the world. The new report from the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, found that within a decade, the world is likely to miss its goal of holding global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius or 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. If or when the planet reaches that level, scientists say Earth will pass tipping points that will lead to catastrophic environmental damage, including dangerous sea level rise, entire species going extinct, and even greater suffering in many nations especially the poorest. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the time to act is now. Humanity is on thin ice and that ice is melting fast. The rate of temperature rise in the last half century is the highest in 2000 years. Concentrations of carbon dioxide are at their highest in at least 2 million years. The climate time bomb is ticking. For a closer look at the report and what can be done to change the direction the planet is headed, I'm joined by Catherine Hayhoe, climate scientist at Texas Tech University and chief scientist for the Nature Conservancy. Catherine Hayhoe, welcome back to the News Hour. That is strong language from Antonio Guterres there saying humanity is on thin ice, the climate time bomb is ticking. This is about as dire and urgent a report and a warning as we've heard. Why now? It is completely justified. We scientists have been warning of the impacts of climate change on humans and all other life on this planet for decades, yet our carbon emissions continue to rise. As the IPCC report says, the window of opportunity we have to make decisions that will lead us to a better future is closing rapidly. 
That increase in global average temperatures, we've been trying to keep to 1.5 degrees Celsius, that it's often referred to as the tipping point. We seem to be hurtling towards that right now. Just as we cross that threshold, if we are to cross that threshold, help us understand what does that mean? For Behind the wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. Are they uh, hugging the, the ditch area? is the Texas Department of Public Safety working in partnership with the Border Patrol to stem the flow of illegal migrants crossing into the U.S. No, se muevan. No, se muevan. We spend time with the Texas DPS brush teams to get a first-hand account of the issues they face every day. They're dealing with the uptick in Chinese nationals, especially in the Rio Grande Valley sector, which it's unusual. Before, we would never see this many Chinese nationals coming across this area here. The numbers back up Lieutenant Oliveras. In the first five months of the 2023 fiscal year, there have been 4,366 encounters with Chinese nationals at the southwest border, with 1,368 in the month of February alone. It's a very lucrative uh, business for the smuggling organizations, especially dealing with Chinese nationals, where they're having to pay anywhere from $35,000 up. We saw the firsthand number of Chinese migrants making the journey. Did you just arrive here in the United States? Communicating through a translator app. Yeah, 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 yeah. Today. Zane Caillou is one of those individuals. He fled China because of the strict COVID-19 policies, sharing the video of what he had experienced before fleeing the country. His journey to the United States began in Ecuador. Ecuador, Panama. From there, Zhang made his way to Neocoli, Colombia, where smugglers coordinated his travel on the boats to Panama and passed through the Darien Gap. Zhang was issued a temporary visa in Mexico before finishing his journey over the wall and into the U.S. Why did you decide to come to America? Yearning for American freedom. Surprisingly, like Bill Maher, we're starting to notice that old liberals, people that were liberals, and especially this guy who kind of paved the way for comedy news and all these kids got brainwashed by it. Here's Stuart grilling Newsom. What the fuck? As I look in here, programs that are being created have a currency within this prison. But on the outside, yeah. that money doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. And that's the problem. Are we giving a false hope to a lot of the prisoners in here? Because a lot of what they say is, what was I doing in there? I was told the path to redemption is along this certification process. And then I got out, and this is meaningless. I'm considered a pariah, and I can't move on with my life. Yeah, I mean, the stigma is real, but I think the stigma... And the internal shame and the internal stigma is even more pronounced. I think you heard from a young man in there says, I could finally send his, his name in a byline of the newspaper, and he sent it to his mom. It's the first time he said his mom's ever been proud of him. That's a kid whose mind is stretched now. Mm -hmm. It's not about the certificate. It's not even about the program. Not for him. I mean for the work. He's going to get out. But what he gets out right. is now all of a sudden he's found something he never thought he had, which is some self-respect, not just self-loathing thinks he might actually be worthy. And all of a sudden, his mind has shifted. And I see people doing well on the outside across the spectrum. I just hired two folks up in Sacramento that are working in our office that spend time quite literally right here that are doing extraordinary work. You're talking about changing this from a factory into something yeah. more human. But you can't treat them as humans when they live in 
this alien dehumanizing factory environment. This system isn't built to cherish each individual and get them to see their own worth. No, no. This is built to keep them from killing each other while they're in here. Correct. But as a society, you're right, we have to actually believe in the core tenets of what we practice in our faith. Right. And that's second damn chances and redemption and the ability to turn your life around. So let's talk about the parole process just very quickly. Within a parole process are a bunch of people that are very familiar with prison culture and very few people familiar with neighborhoods and reintegration. Uh, I deal with 70, 75 paroles every single week. Some of my predecessors didn't even bother to look at them. They rejected every single one. They're tough and they're folks that are perfect on paper. You look back and say, what the hell did we miss? Mary Reese, you wanted uh, to commute her sentence. You sent her back to a parole board. She's been in prison for a series of burglaries, not nothing, but clearly not a violent offender. Right. She failed her parole hearing based on having borrowed, I think, hair gel from another prisoner and, and some other things. And on the flip side of it, you have an offender who was let out and killed a police officer. Yeah, yeah, recently. Devastating. Devastating. Yeah. We have a system that cannot tell the difference, and we have a public that demands certainty. And we still have the same dungeness rooms for those two perpetrators you just described. One that's benign, not particularly violent, not particularly problematic, and others that have every reason to be considered concerned. We haven't evolved. There's no innovation. We talk about reform. We don't talk about innovation right. in the criminal justice system. I mean, that, here, here's the problem that you run up against yeah. is in that reimagining, you run up against political reality. Simple things like instead of giving them $200 when they walk out the gate, giving them $1,000 when they walk out the gate, and you guys couldn't couldn't do that politically. Yeah. You vetoed that because yeah. I imagine you had to. Yeah, I'm well, with a combination of that, and we should have done it through the budget process. By the way, you know, I not only know the realities, that, right. that, that person that killed that police officer, the district attorney, accused me of being responsible That's right. for that. I live the realities. I don't know them. It's not an intellectual. That's I'm right. living them. Sure. That's, and, that, I mean, that's, and that puts and, you on your heels. No, it didn't put and, me on my heels. It actually put me on my toes. Right. You want reform and you want to be progressive. I want public safety. I want real public safety. I want people to feel safe. It's about your own self-interest. Right. You want to make sure your kids are safe, you're safe. You don't have to turn your head when you're getting the ATM machine. Uh, Absolutely. That's the core. All right. It's that time of the show. I got to turn the fan on because my computer's overheating, which... Um, not overheating, but the fan comes on. I don't want it to die because, you know, deep down inside, I want a new computer. It'd be really great because it'd have better horsepower. But uh, you know the deal with the wife. You follow the show, it's a non-starter. Which brings us to our super bias. Well, you know, let's do a couple more slides because there's a lot of interesting stuff. Here's one. Biden House pressured Meta to moderate vaccine-skeptical content on WhatsApp. It's a whole nother Twitter saga where, you know, uh, I guess we're just not going to even cover it because, you know, why would we? That's, you know, censorship. They're not supposed to be censoring. censoring. Responses sounds like they wanted a backdoor to essentially wiretap conversations. Well, they did it before. I mean, we did it for fucking Trump. And people will be like, well, it was necessary because he was a threat to democracy. He, hasn't, he wasn't even going to win until you poured on that Hillary was the greatest thing since liquid tied with bleach. Come on. 
Then we have some more censorship or some more partisanship from NPR. Oh, I didn't need that slide. Here we go. The international governing body for track and field will ban trans women athletes from elite women's competition, citing a priority for fairness over inclusion despite limited scientific evidence. Limited scientific evidence. Women's golf tees are closer to the pin than men's tees because men have physical advantage. Women's basketball balls are one inch smaller and three point line is one foot closer and the fucking rims are shorter a lot of places but there's limited sure a great article on how about all those pulitzers for false information about russia 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 which was proven not to be true Except for these people, which I don't know why I have these out of fucking order. Russian interference to help elect them, and now they delay criminal accountability. Russia emails behind DA bomb hoax. Next one, Malcolm Nance. And, and you know, once again, you can get a show on MSNBC. Little Chucky doll got it. Today, Mr. Nance involved in a messy, distracting power struggle. Often the plays out Twitter where Mr. Nance taunted one former ally as fat and associate of verified con artists. He accused a pros Ukrainian fundraising group of fraud, providing no evidence. After arguing with two Legion administrators, Mr. Nance wrote a counterintelligence report trying to get them fired. Central to the report is an accusation that one Legion official... Somebody fraudulently tried to buy a house in Australia. He labored older pretension Russian spy because that's all they do is Russian spy. And then I was going to put this in the mill section. New York Times. Stolen valor in Ukraine. Mr. Nance has left Ukraine but continues fundraising a new group of allies. He's not there, but he acted like he was. Then we have the head of our fucking education system. This has resulted division and chaos and fear that the extremists, including mega politicians, wage like calling a Manhattan DA a George Soros-backed prosecutor. Anti-Semitic incidents hit record in 2022, ADL says. Yeah, they did. And they were African-Americans beating on Jews. Not mega. Another GOP Senate candidate. This is different from last episode. This guy's from Colorado. The left got somebody in the Department of Defense to give his records. That would be such a huge thing if it was in reverse. Homeland Security Organization appearing to scrap last remnants of disinfo board. It's still there. They just don't call it there. NPR and AP and a bunch of other people are pushing this. We got to get libs elected, so let's have fucking felons vote. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. And now Biden's going after air conditioners. Yeah, that's great. What? what? Did you not think that was going to happen? Are you on crack? Of course it was happening. They want you to have it on 68. So, for our super bias with new music, I just wanted the prices right.
What the fuck? Don't even try it. Former Fed prosecutor warns Trump supporter what'll happen if they get violent over New York case. Yeah, they've arrested two. They're going after 2,000 people. So I think they got the point. House Democrat declares January 6th rioters being coddled and complaints about their treatment are laughable because when it's your enemy and you're a fascist, that's the things you say. But remember, it's the right that's fascist. That's why USA Today has an extremist expert. That's why they're sedition hunters. But there's not Jane Revenge hunters. Now let's go back up to Manhattan with the hush money case involving uh, porn star and director uh, Stormy Daniels. Um, today, Ellie Trump appeared to issue another call to action to his followers. He posted, our country is being destroyed, as they tell us, to be peaceful. I know some law enforcement officials upset that Trump was belittling the idea of, of being peaceful. You worked right by this court ha- courthouse for more than eight years. If protests turn violent and do break out, what is it like in that area? What would you expect to happen? Jake, my advice to anyone who's thinking about going down there and causing violence or mayhem is don't even try it. There may be no more heavily fortified few acres in the- We know that these MAGA Republicans have a problem with the truth. In fact, that's why we are coddling these January 6th insurrectionists. Um, You know, I'm just a freshman. So I watched January 6th from afar, unlike what so many of my colleagues experienced. And the fact that you know, they want to go in and these people, some of them which were attempting murder and they want to have a conversation about how comfortable they are. They want to have a conversation about whether or not their iPads uh, are working. Or, You know, I'm an independent. I'm not a mega guy and I abhor violence of any kind. It's a big difference compared to the fascists we have on our fucking TV because they're progressives. Maybe 200 people did violent shit on January 6th. The rest walked in the building with doors that were opened by police. That's not conspiracy. That's a fact. Some of them had been in jail for 790 days. Now over 800 days with no court trials for trespassing. When Antifa people burned down federal courthouses, Antifa burned down police precincts. And the DOJ, run by Biden, dropped charges. So, yeah, I could see why people are doing that because we live in a rule of law society, supposedly, that you're innocent until proven guilty. And we're supposed to have a speedy try and the Fourth Amendment and all that kind of shit. And we just throw it out the door because some people were doing something. Exactly what Hillary Clinton just said and was lauded for. But I say it, and I'm a terrorist now. Probably having Will Carlisle look into my background. You can't have it both ways, folks. You just can't. That's how society falls apart. So, going into our trans section, because I forgot about that, then we're going to close the military. This is from Kamala Camila Kamula Harris. Women are the backbone of our democracy. 
somebody decided, which is just fucking hilarious. I don't know why I missed that. <clears throat> Where the hell is it? <laughs> is this you, Giggles? Yeah, that's to Dylan Mulvaney, who she recognized as a woman. Then stop lying and pretending that men are women. Men will never be winning. A man would just name USA Today Woman of the Year. Stop electing people to the Supreme Court who can't define what a woman is. Let's try that out. So our sound bites is Jill Biden saying presents an International Women of Courage Award to a biological male at the White House. And then she decided to literally do the same thing Kamala did. Every little girl must know that her future can be anything she wants it to be until a dude who identifies as a chick snatches her dreams, somebody said. Then we have a Tennessee drag person brought on and one of those athletes that got beaten by a dude and her whole career went to dog shit. She gets to speak because those are the people I want to hear from. I am Eloise. I am six. I'm a city child. I live at the Plaza Hotel. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. In Argentina, Alba Ruada is a transgender woman who was kicked out of classrooms, barred for sitting for exams, refused job opportunities, subjected to violence, and rejected by her family. But in the face of these challenges, she worked to end violence and discrimination against the LGBTQI plus community in Argentina. After women were barred from schools in Afghanistan. I, I think there are a lot of people uh, objecting to drag without even having any idea uh, what it is. Let's talk about Tennessee. Uh, it's the first uh, I state, I think, to explicitly ban. It's the first place uh, that it passed. Drag yes. Shows. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's happening all over the place, right? Um, this is some new thing they've invented. I'm sure that most of the Republicans who are, they find stuff every once in a while to go after. They, and so I, I bet you most of them don't know what this is about at all, have any idea. What is their thing about? Yeah, I mean, what is this about is kind of the biggest question because it's all so vague. These bills are terrifying because the language is so open-ended and uh, they are, and a lot of, and you're also exactly right that a lot of these people don't really understand what drag shows are and they don't have to because. My name is Riley Gaines. I'm a recent graduate from the University of Kentucky where I was on the women's swim team. I proudly finished my career as a 12-time NCAA All-American, a five-time SEC champion. Um, I am one of the fastest 200 butterflyers of, of all time. 
Um, but on March 17th of last year, my teammates and I were, and other female swimmers from universities around the country were forced to compete against a biological male named Leah Thomas. Um, Thomas was allowed to compete in the women's division after competing as a member of the University of Pennsylvania's men's swim team for three years. We watched on the side of the pool as Thomas won a national title in the 500-yard freestyle, beating out the most impressive and accomplished female athletes in the country, including Olympians and American record holders. Whereas just the year before, Thomas at best was ranking in the 400s in the men's category. The next day, Thomas and I raced in the 200 freestyle, which ended up in a tie. Um, we went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second. Having only one trophy, the NCAA told me that I would go home empty handed and this trophy would go to Thomas. And when I questioned this, the NCAA told me that Thomas had to hold it for photo purposes. I was shocked. I felt betrayed and belittled, reduced to a photo op. But my feelings didn't matter. What mattered to the NCAA were the feelings of a biological male. In 1972, Congress enacted Title IX to end unjust sex discrimination in all aspects of education, including college athletics. But by allowing Thomas to displace female athletes in the pool and on the podium, the NCAA intentionally and explicitly discriminated on the basis of sex. Although the NCAA claimed it acted in the name of inclusion, its policies in fact excluded female athletes. But that is not all. In addition to being forced to give up our awards, our titles, and our opportunities, the NCAA forced female swimmers to share a locker room with Thomas, a 6'4", 22-year-old male who was fully intact with male genitalia. Let me be clear. We were not forewarned. We were not asked for our consent, and we did not give our consent. If nothing else, I hope you can truly see how this is a violation of our privacy and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, awkward, um, embarrassed and even traumatized by this experience. I know I don't speak for everyone. I, it's impossible to speak for everyone, but I can attest to the tears that were shed on that pool deck by these poor ninth and 17th place finishers who missed out on being named an All-American by one place. And I can attest to the extreme discomfort in the locker room when you turn around and there's a male watching you undress while exposing himself. I can attest to the anger and frustration from these girls who had worked so hard and sacrificed so much to get to this point. Unfortunately, our experiences are not unique. The number of female athletes who have been denied opportunities, again, traumatized or hurt by policies that claim to be promoting inclusion is growing at an alarming rate around this country. It's simply unacceptable and the integrity of women's sports is lost. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, we get to uh, say that you can't show your junk to my child. I think that's a pretty easy thing. And the problem is you guys are doing it when parents aren't around. So anyway, mm-hmm. Uh, God, these fucking people are just garbage. I thought this was cute. Why not? This lady was hounded by Taylor Lorenz and treated like shit. So she tried to go. This is, of course, lives a TikTok. And that coward AOC did not come to see her, which doesn't surprise me. So, small trans dad didn't want to do too much. Lighter fare, Greg Gutfeld mocking Hillary Clinton. Always funny. Will her new foreign policy class change minds that she's a horse's ass? This week, Columbia University shared a video promoting a new course that's co-taught by Hillary Clinton. 
Believe me, no one's more thrilled to have Hillary out of the house than Bill. <laughs> Speaking of Bill, if you're a lady who is a solid eight or above, he'll tutor you for free. <laughs> the course he's teaching, how to fit snugly under my desk. Oh, I know, terrible, huh? The school says the class is called Inside the Situation Room and will examine decision-making in a variety of historical and contemporary contexts, from the search for bin Laden to the red line in Syria to negotiating with Iran. Roll it. Oh, my God. What is it? It's Hillary Clinton. She's running. What? What? Hillary's running again? I know. I heard that so crazy. This is wild. She's running again. Here I am. Hillary, you're running again. Well, I sure am, Karen. I just got here early for the new class we're teaching together on foreign policy decision-making. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's so clever. She's running again. <laughs> the only thing missing was music from Psycho. And like mo most things Hillary's involved with, it gets worse. You know, when it comes to crisis situations, you've always got to be prepared. Prepared? I think you're more prepared than anyone to teach this course. And I'll cover the theory of political decision-making and strategy. Mm -hmm. And I'll cover what it was actually like in the room during the bin Laden raid, the Iran sanctions, the Gaza ceasefire, you name it. Okay, but are you ready for whatever questions the students throw at you? <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. I wonder what it is, her bleached server or bleached mustache. Now, maybe it's me, but I don't think that video really captured the charm of Hillary, the power of her persuasion, the gift of her insight and wisdom. So we improved it. Oh, my God. What is it? It's Hillary Clinton. She's running. What? What? Hillary's running again? That old bag who destroyed Libya? This is wild. She's running again. What? Isn't that the lady that killed Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> Here I am. Hillary, you're running again. To some other funny shit, this is actually real. Um, I looked it up. They've come out with bedtime cereal. I'm, I'm doing a dramatic pause because that's probably something you sh should never have. Um, this is from Odenkirk. He wrote the van down by the river sketch which is to to this day my favorite chris farley thing and if you want to read an article about it because i'm kind of running low on time it's movie web bob obenkirk shares a story behind chris farley's down by the river snl sketch and it's just so fucking funny it's so great star the female star in um top gun two said she forgot her own name. She didn't want to lose the part, but she couldn't feel her legs and she didn't want to get kicked out. She just didn't say anything. Which doesn't surprise me because that's some hardcore shit. Um, I don't think I could do that crap.
James Webb Telescope finds a planet with a 22-hour day. Swirling storms is just fucking crazy. Um, what they're finding now, it's pretty cool. Aliens may have already landed, says the Pentagon. That That's just fucking not what I wanted to hear. And last but not least, as we go into our military corner and cover Syria and the strike, um, NASA video shows tornado of fire on the sun. It's fucking horrible. It scares the shit out of me. That's why I'm playing it. So you're going to hear, uh, see some Syria damage. See somebody go off on Biden and a Pentagon official get up and just say everything's okie dokie. But it's not. News alert now, the U.S. military conducting airstrikes overnight against Iranian-backed groups in northeast Syria. It comes after a drone attack kills an American and injures five U.S. service members, plus an additional contractor. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin vows the U.S. will, quote, always respond at a time and place of our choosing. No group strike uh, will strike our troops with impunity. Here with reaction, Texas Congressman Wesley Hunt. Congressman, we booked you for something else, but I got to get your reaction to this. We made the right move hitting back, but it turns out these are persistence, uh, this is a persistent threat. I think what we're seeing right now is we are not serious people and our military is not being respected. Uh, this is also the same regime that wants to give Iran a nuclear weapon. So you're looking at what's happening in Iran, you look at what's happening in Syria, you're looking at what's happening in the Ukraine, you're looking at the potential escalation with China and Taiwan, and it tells you one thing. The world does not respect us because this administration has completely abandoned the mantra of peace through strength. And that's why we're seeing so much turmoil in the world today. Congressman, uh, what do we do now? If you were to want to change that tone and, set, and, and send a new message. We hit once. We have no idea what we hit. But what do we do to stop, get ahead of it? Remember Trump blew up, gave the go-ahead to blow up, to kill 200 Wagner Group uh, militia members as they tried to move on our guys. Do we need something like that? Oh, I, I can't. I can't commit to that. But what I can commit to is we uh, we've got to stop empowering Iran and prevent them from having a nuclear weapon. That will send a clear message abroad that we aren't playing games anymore. And, and I do want to talk more about how how no one takes us seriously anymore. So when you ask what can we do, well, this administration for the past two years has failed us so much that we're kind of flapping in the wind. And this is why for the next two years we have to focus on the right kind of policies to put us back on a level playing field on the, on the on the global scale. And I'm I'm really committed committed to figuring that out in the halls of Congress. So uh, let's get committed to getting the numbers back up with all branches of armed forces outside the Marines were missing uh, at, a, at a record level. So a lot of people believe, and I'm one of them, that believes this, this push for equity and diversity is hurting our armed forces. And that was the subject of a committee meeting yesterday. Uh, there are equity officers now within the Pentagon, and one of them was forced to read and what it comes out to a basically an anti-white tweet. This is from Kalisha Wing. One of the, just an example of what's going on at the Pentagon. I'm exhausted with these white folks in these professional development sessions. This lady actually had the audacity to say that black people can be racist too. I had to stop the session and give Karen the business. We're not the majority, we don't have power. So these are some of the discussions there. 
this is the problem with this administration. They blame everything on race. Everything, everything's a race issue. They cite the boy who cried wolf. And what I want to talk about is just war fighting. When I was in the military, when I was a, when I was at West Point, we literally did not care about race, religion, color, or creed. We just wanted to get out and fight for our nation. And I always called the military a, a, a true test on what on what a meritocracy is in this country. You do the work, you work hard, you want to sacrifice for your for your fellow comrades. And you know what? You'll get promoted, you'll get rewarded, and you have an opportunity to lead our young people into battle. So first of all, I'd like to take a moment to recap recent operations in the U.S. Central Command area of responsibility. Per our DOD statement last night, a U.S. contractor was killed yesterday and five U.S. service members and one additional U.S. contractor were wounded after a one-way unmanned aerial vehicle struck a maintenance facility on a coalition base near Hasaka in northeast, northeast Syria at approximately 138 p.m. local time. Secretary Austin, at the direction of President Biden, authorized U.S. Central Command forces to conduct precision strikes into eastern Syria against facilities used by groups affiliated with Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. The airstrikes were conducted in response to yesterday's attack, as well as a series of recent attacks against coalition forces in Syria by groups affiliated with the IRGC. In terms of airstrike details, two U.S. Air Force F-15E fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Air Force's Central and based in the CENTCOM area of responsibility struck two IRGC-affiliated facilities at approximately 7.40 p.m. Eastern Time or 2.40 a.m. local. The facilities were located near Dar Zur uh, in eastern Syria and were continuing to assess the outcome of the strikes Initial indications are that the facilities were destroyed. In regards to any militant casualties, we're still assessing. These precision strikes were intended to protect and defend U.S. personnel, and the U.S. took proportionate and deliberate action intended to limit the risk of escalation and minimize casualties. As Secretary Austin said in his statement, no group will strike our troops with impunity. Again, Secretary Austin, along with the Department of Defense, offer our thoughts and prayers to the family and colleagues of the American contractor who was killed and with those who were wounded in the attack. So by now you know that we had five contractors hit. We struck back, but it's probably really bad. Wesley Hunt in there rips Biden admin of Iranian drone strikes, kills Americans. The world does not respect us. Drone attack kills U.S. contractor in Syria, prompting airstrike response. Pentagon launches precision airstrikes in response to attack, which officials attribute to militants affiliated with Iran, who they're still trying to work out a deal to get them to come to the table and help them get nuclear bombs. Because, you know, that's still what the Democrats want. They want to complete the Obama craziness. Should have taken it off camera, but... I'm going to take my H2 so I don't start burning because I don't want to burn. Um, it is very interesting that when we have Democrat presidents, we don't really talk about why we're overseas, what we're doing overseas, what's our mission overseas. These are things we don't talk about because Democrats are good. They're good people. 
to the army woke, which you knew was coming. Here's a short, short stipend about VA National Guard. Fort Pickett was officially redesignated to Fort Bar, Bar, Barefoot in honor of Colonel Van T. Barfoot. Get to know the World War II Medal of Honor recipient. And another wokester shares a personal story about how important DEI is. I'm sure that's exactly what those guys were thinking about as they were struck by rockets. DEI. Thanks for watching. If you like what you saw, head over to our channel and click the subscribe button. From there, check out our other videos and see what else is going on in the U.S. Army. See you next time. I want to close by sharing a personal experience that influenced my appreciation for how diversity and inclusion drives better outcomes. In my last job, we planned to release a report on aerospace and defense in the year 2050, and I wanted to do it at South by Southwest, the nation's largest technology an innovation festival. To reach that type of educated, creative workforce at South By, we needed to compete for attention with consumer-facing brands that often spent millions to launch their products or TV shows. I thought we could get noticed by giving away cool swag alongside the report, and my idea was branded socks. We spent some time debating the color of the socks, the logo, and just how many to order. And just before finalizing the plan, a young woman on my team came in and asked if she could speak to me privately. She confided, Alex, you know women don't really wear crew socks. I asked, well, what do they wear? And she responded, ankle socks. It had never occurred to me to order any other kind of socks than the kind that I was familiar with. Her suggestion had merit, and we ended up ordering half ankle and half crew socks. Of course, the socks were a hit. But what was telling was that demand for the ankle socks by both women and men was higher than for the crew socks, and substantially so. The Army worked just fine forever in meritocracy. Every first sergeant and sergeant major I had was African-American or minority, and they didn't get it because they're African-American or minority. They got it because they worked hard and they earned their stripes, just like I did. And I think it's fundamentally 
It's fundamentally criminal what they're doing to the military. And that's why people aren't signing up. And that's why people aren't joining. So here's when all the bases will be renamed. I found this. Uh, so Fort Rucker. April 27th, Fort Lee, May 11th, Fort Benning, which hurts my soul, Fort Hood, May 9th, Fort Bragg, really hurts my soul, June 2nd, Fort Gordon is not set in stone. Um, Benning really bothers me because that, nobody knew that was, that nobody nobody knew they just didn't know and now it god fort benning good lord but understand that while we're doing it it is going to cost a shit ton of money to do this the army expects to pay 39 million in 2022 the mandate said it would only cost 21 million but yeah we got 39 million just to chuck around to wokeify bullshit there was an Afghan hearing, but you didn't hear a lot about it because the media doesn't cover these things. And there was tension because, of course, they're getting pushback from liberals that don't want to work with it. Um, because why would they? Supposed to be released in April, supposedly. And to show that that was such a great decision, string of assassination, ISIS is building back into Afghanistan. So it's great. Good job. Good job, everybody. This administration so fucked up that right now you have task and purpose, a liberal org asking, what the fuck is our, what, what are we shooting for? Because if you're shooting for a Putinless Russia, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So why? Other things the media ain't covering. We spend billions on this bullshit. All of a sudden, they're not buying Ospreys because Ospreys are fucked up, but we're going to get the V-280, which is an Osprey for the Army helicopter. Do the math on that. It makes no fucking sense went over. This one will be one of our new drones. Look at that motherfucker. Stealth and scary. If that was chasing you, I don't think you'd be happy. And then one weird thing that I cover, scientists discover a way to make atomically thin metal layers, and this should really revolutionize uh, space, airplanes, everything. Which brings me to my feature today. It's on Vote Vets. Uh, Vote Vets is loved by the media because why not? I mean, they're liberal. It was started by a guy that said he was in the Iraq War. He served in 2003 based on a service, Stoltz became an outspoken critic of the execration of, he was a liberal. In 1999, the University of Pittsburgh, he went to Fort Knox, and he was a taker fuck. Um, they are a ballotpedia. Compromises Vote Vet Action Fund and Vote Vet's political fund. Let's get his picture up, because I like to out people like this. He's a Vinman. As of April 2020, the organization describes itself as the largest progressive veteran group in America, representing over 700,000 vets. According to NPR, Vote Vest was started in 2006. The Action Fund gets all sorts of money from liberals and pushes non-vet issues. They've gotten $691,000 in 2021. They lobbied with 350 of it. 
And they have spent $25 million in dark money, basically, for libs to win. They're very much like Paul Rychek, who anybody's with the show knows was a liberal turd who campaigned for the Kerry administration. Oh, I'm sorry, presidency. And he didn't make it. Well, all of a sudden, he left IAVA, which I wouldn't vote for or join, and he started this group. But Independent Americans is adding light to contrast all that heat. Every episode, we're going to bring the Righteous Media Five Eyes. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And explore the most pressing issues of the day with leaders who are shaping what America will be in the future. I'm Paul Rykoff, activist, author, social entrepreneur, veteran, father, and shit starter. We're going to break down the most important issues facing our country, always with a special focus on national security, foreign affairs, and community action. And I'm going to have conversations with the most influential and compelling leaders from all political, media, business, and entertainment backgrounds. From Chuck Hagel to Chuck D. From Sarah Jessica Parker to Megan McCain. From Stephen Colbert to Mayor Pete Buttigieg. From Rachel Maddow to Rex Chapman. From Mike Shinoda to Montel Williams. From Samantha B to Chris Cuomo. Medal of Honor recipients, social entrepreneurs, political leaders, activists, people who are making an impact, people who are adding light to contrast the heat, people who will help you stay vigilant. Independent Americans is your trusted, independent source for news, politics, culture, and inspiration. It's a smart, fresh, and candid perspective you won't find anywhere else on the media landscape. If you're among the 40% of Americans who are independent, like me, this is your show. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, but you're not a diehard partisan, this is your show. If you're a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. All are welcome here. We invite you to join us and be a part. He's not an independent. He's very liberal. And this vote fits why I got on. It was the get rid of Fox News. They had a huge thing about getting rid of guns. And then I saw this beautiful thing. Extreme Republicans would rather regulate women who have served than weapons of war on the street. And I asked one incredibly question. What has that got to do with vets? Two veterans group, left and right, moved together to get rid of foreign wars. They're only covered because they're both liberal groups that the media love. But they don't do anything for veterans. So, it really pisses me the fuck off with this veteran thing that's always liberal. So, I've been trying not to play outside people's shit other than Gutfeld's comedy, but Tucker had a good take on because I was going to cover the story, but it's about NPR saying only trans should have guns. And, you know, fuck you. Why do we pay for NPR anymore? Does anybody know? Just get the money from the Democrats. PPFA's got plenty of extra. So you can imagine our surprise. The other day, we're driving through Cambridge in the old hybrid Subaru, adjusting our surgical masks to cover both nose and mouth, and listening, needless to say, to National Public Radio, the voice of menopausal liberalism. 
And as we're listening, we hear this. We're going to play it for you and see if you can understand our total shock. Mass shootings targeting LGBTQ spaces and a rise in anti-trans rhetoric have inspired some queer people to take up arms. New Hampshire's public radio Todd Bookman joined a monthly gathering of a gun group that sees firearms as key to their own self-defense. And as you might imagine, this story does include the sound of gunfire. On a recent Sunday morning, the parking lot of Pawtuckaway State Park in southeastern New Hampshire is filling up with hikers. There's also a different crew packing up warm clothes and weapons. Thank you all for coming to uh, Rainbow Reload. <laughs> Your anti-trans rhetoric makes the trans community carry guns. Rainbow Reload! They're packing heat. There'll be appendix carrying in more ways than one. Watch out. Wait a second, we thought. This is NPR, National Public Radio, suddenly telling you that actually guns are good. They're valuable tools of self-defense really against you. So there are times when guns are good, says NPR. And we thought, well, wait a second, we've been listening to NPR since, well, click and clack the Tappet brothers. And we remember very clearly their position on guns. For example, quote, the U.S. has more guns than any other country in the world. This is the same NPR that, in between updates on the latest trans dinosaur emojis, we've been following those very carefully, routinely runs segments calling for more gun control, and not subtle ones, like the segment entitled, Many Gun Owners Support Gun Control, So Why Don't They Speak Out? Oh yeah, a lot, a lot of gun owners support gun control. Of course they do. And yet, here's that same national public radio, state radio, state media, controlled by the Biden administration, encouraging people to go to the gun store immediately. But not all people, just trans people. Guns are bad, except in the hands of trans people. Which brings us to our This Is America. We're going to have two sound bites. There'll be a break between the two. The first one is, we always bash Republicans. I say that it doesn't matter who's the president, the Dems and the media and NPR specifically that works for the Dems, it's always, they're always the Nazi. We can get into semantics, as I argued on the internet, oh, that's not the same word, it's the same thing. Terrorist, ISIS, mega, super mega, white Christian nationalists, it's all the same. So here is NPR bashing Reagan and a segment that was on MSDNC, it dovetails into what I showed on the end of last show, that Trump doing a rally in Waco is a threat to the FBI. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. In the summer of 1980, a prominent Republican close to Ronald Reagan's campaign sought to sabotage then-President Jimmy Carter's re-election by asking Middle Eastern leaders to get a message to the Iranians, keep the American hostages until after the election, and the Reagan administration will give you a better deal. That stunning reporting this weekend by the New York Times is prompting a rethinking of presidential history. Jonathan Alter details Jimmy Carter's presidency and re-election bid in his book, His Very Best, Jimmy Carter, A Life. Jonathan Alter, thank you for being with us. Hi, Jeff. 
This reporting by Peter Baker of the New York Times that there was, in fact, a secret effort by the Reagan campaign to sabotage the Carter campaign by urging the Iranians to hold the American hostages until after that year's presidential election. It's in a while, Dean, you'll see um, Mitch McConnell come out and say something, you know, that suggests that he doesn't think Donald Trump's the best idea for the future of the Republican Party. But Olivia makes a valid point, really undermining the judiciary, undermining law enforcement, undermining the FBI. We saw after the, the, the Mar-a-Lago uh, search, somebody opened fire on an uh, FBI office. Mm -hmm. Waco is really ground zero for opening fire on the, on the FBI. This is a different choice than sort of trying to avoid being in Donald Trump's bad graces, which we've seen uh, McCarthy do and others do. This is different. This is somebody who is veering well outside of the lane of lawfulness. The whole idea of there will be death and destruction if I'm uh, arrested. He had an image that he posted on True Social, which I understand has now been mm -hmm. taken down, uh, where Donald Trump was holding a bat and the guy in the picture uh, cropped next to him was the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg got a death threat today. I will mm -hmm. kill you. Um, so, so we've crossed the line. Yes, we have. And look, I have to be blunt. This is akin to an ISIS and Al-Qaeda recruiter radicalizing people to commit violence on their behalf. Instead, Donald Trump is doing it on his behalf. Just like ISIS. You know, I remember a lot of cult from the left. I remember Hope and Change. She's with her. I'm with her. I remember Antifa. I remember burning after George W. One George W. Two, Trump one. Our media never covers it that way. So I want to go back into the wayback machine. Well, first, yeah, let's go back in the wayback machine first, and we're going to see: Has there been violent rhetoric on the left? Then has have lefties taken the rhetoric of the left and done horrible things? Hmm. I remember. Oh, it was a baseball game. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Kamala Harris seemingly praising the summer's chaos. This is her in her own words. You decide. This is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not gonna stop. And and everyone beware, because they're not gonna stop. It is gonna, they're not gonna stop before election day in November, and they're not gonna stop after election day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not gonna let up, and they should not, and they should not, and we should not. Now, two weeks before those comments, a violent horde of far-left rioters, they breached the walls around the White House. Did Senator Harris call this an insurrection? Of course not. The president and his family, they had to be rushed to a secure bunker. It took the Secret Service several painstaking hours to push back the perimeter and prevent the rioters from storming the White House. Any Democrats, members of the media mob, strongly condemn what happened? 
No, not really. That's because the left only sees violence when it's politically advantageous. Press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. They asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? <laughs> Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. When they go low, we kick them. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. When you're in the arena, you got to be ready to take a punch. You got to be ready to throw a punch for the children. Go to the hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. I don't think uh, even in states where Donald Trump won big that it does you any good running away from Donald Trump. I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. Nancy Pelosi herself wasn't interested in condemning the far left rights. Remember, people just do what they're going to do. Wow. Take a look. Respectfully, should that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. It, it, it's a, it is a, I do think that from a safety standpoint, uh, it would be a good idea to uh, have it taken down if the community doesn't want it. I don't know that it has to be a commission. According to Jerry Nadler, the summer's violence was just a myth. What you saw with your own eyes wasn't true. It was a myth, according to him. Do you disavow the violence from Antifa? That's happening in Portland right now? There's that, that's, that, that's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. How dare he say the things he does? Of course I want to punch him in the face. Right. Yes. Yes. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. This is fake blood, just so you know. I won't give away what we're doing, but Tyler and I are not afraid to do images that make noise. I just wonder... Trump needs to be medicated and hospitalized. <laughs> Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar, like you've never seen before. A man dressed to look like President Donald Trump gets stabbed to death on stage. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> and maybe it's time. After each incident, there's a reflex to blame everything and everyone but the fiend responsible. We saw that last week with Orlando. It's a year later, and gun violence still ruled the narrative. It's always the tool, but never the terrorist. And here we go again. The Virginia governor and others spewing stats when facts would have sufficed. I think we need to do more to protect all of our citizens. There are too many guns on the street. We lose 93 million Americans a day to gun violence. I mean, I've long talked about this. Background check, shutting down gun show loopholes. We worry about this every day for all of our citizens. Man needs a math class. Here's a fact. The shooter was a Sanders supporter. Do I blame Sanders? No. But replace Sanders with Trump, and you got to wonder if the left would return that favor. After all, hasn't that been the media narrative for so long, that the hateful deplorables created a climate of violence, and that the party of Lincoln isn't just wrong, but evil? So now there's violence. 
but not from the deplorables. And all of a sudden we say, let's not rush to judgment. I don't know. The left blames the right for everything bad. So why not return the favor so they might learn a lesson? Is that even possible? For another lesson, here's Rand Paul. I do believe that without the Capitol Hill police, uh, it would have been a massacre. We, wow. we had no defense. I mean, we had no defense. Senator. We had no defense at all. We're lucky that Scalise was there because these, this was his security detail. Uh, without them, it would have been a massacre. There would have been no stopping this guy. And we were like sitting ducks. We had no place to run. Mm -hmm. Translation, our leaders are better protected than we are. If it were just you and me there in that gun-free zone, we'd be dead. So each grisly act teaches us about vulnerability, whether it's Orlando, 9-11, or today. The right response is to analyze risk and reduce it. Yes. People drown in water. The option isn't to blame water, but learn to swim. What we learned today is not just what caused the attack, but what prevented the carnage. Let's hope that sinks in. Well, good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. You'd think the near assassination of Republican Congressman Steve Scalise by a Democratic activist last week would have set off some soul-searching on the left about the growing strain of violent extremism in its midst. If you fantasize about hurting people long enough, somebody's going to get hurt, and now somebody has. But no. In fact, the opposite has happened. Throughout the progressive world, in politics, in entertainment, on MSNBC, in higher education, talk of violence has, if anything, grown louder since those shootings. Here's the latest. It comes from Nebraska. Phil Montag, a longtime liberal activist and official with the state's Democratic Party, caught on tape applauding the shooting of Steve Scalise. Okay. I hate this so, yeah. I'm glad he got shot. We've laid in our. I'm glad he got shot. Dude, I'm not gonna say that in public. You don't well, then what are you saying it to us for? Say something. Say something. What are you telling us for? I wish he was dead. I'm glad he got shot. No subtlety there. Well, at Trinity College in Connecticut, professor of racism studies Johnny Williams agreed with that. He wrote this on social media after the shootings: "Quote, let them effing die." Williams wasn't fired from his post, far from it. His fellow Trinity faculty issued a fawning letter of support for him today. One colleague compared him to Salman Rushdie, persecuted by religious extremists. In this case, of course, Christians, not Islamists. A Change.org petition supporting Williams has drawn nearly 2,000 signatures as of tonight, and it's growing. Professor Let Them Effing Die is fast becoming a folk hero on the left. Meanwhile, fading actor Johnny Depp says he's excited about the possibility of a modern-day John Wilkes Booth stepping forward to murder the president. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? <laughs> well, on Twitter, Marcella Arguello, she's a writer for Bill Nye's new Netflix show, had this to say about the Scalise shooting, quote, If a few old-ass conservative white men have to die in order to get the gun control issue discussed, that I'm willing to take that risk. As of tonight, she's apparently still got her job. And extremism isn't just online. Having just watched partisanship ending in gunfire, you'd think lawmakers might try to lower the temperature a little bit. Not Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. Here she is accusing her Republican colleagues of deliberately plotting to kill Americans for money. These cuts are blood money. People will die. Let's be very clear. Senate Republicans are paying for tax cuts for the wealthy with American lives. 
Okay, so you disagree with me on a piece of legislation, therefore you're a murderer. This is how things fall apart, when you no longer see political differences as legitimate, but instead as moral crimes. When you begin to believe your opponents are unworthy of life itself. When you start to make excuses for violence. That is all happening now. What do you think happens next? America's worth living in because we have a stable democratic order. We use debate and elections to resolve political disputes, not violence. And it's all worked for hundreds of years. But the system, and don't forget this, is fragile. It will break unless our leaders commit to preserving it. Democracy may or may not die in dark. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember after the first day, every media said it was Trump's fault. It was his rhetoric, not Bernie Sanders, not that maybe the left's got a problem. I remember this was when we really started ratcheting up. I mean, we, we say post-2016, the media went crazy. Well, I remember being on the road and watching the 2016 Democratic Convention and all the voters got the fuck up and left and they had seat fillers. I watched it live. I watched the media tests on a stream getting hounded by Bernie bros who were pissed off that they got robbed out of a nomination, but the mainstream media wouldn't shove it, show it. I mean, they showed the one flag and then criticism and then 20 flags for her to do his acceptance speech. So it was there, we're just now blatantly all in. I mean, they've always been for the left. They always excuse lefty violence from the fucking pipe bombings in the 60s to Antifa to Jane's Revenge to this shooter. It wasn't his fault. Nobody knows his name. Just like you know the Koch brothers, but you can't talk about Soros, whose dark money has done damage to the entire country with DAs. That's not a conspiracy theory, it's true. But the media, they don't go and show their crazies. They don't show people who literally walk around with goddamn action figures of Obama and Fauci. The mental illness that is the left or the tranny shows that are so disgusting and why parents are doing it, why parents are pushing back. They don't show that. They show a dude in a dress acting all proper, not gyrating and showing his balls. No, they don't show that. It is biased by omission. These two sound bites were on Mediate. And though they're really crazy, I could show you lefty ones. Excited to see, see Donald Trump today? Absolutely, yeah. But I'm also concerned too because I, this shirt speaks for itself. Arrest Alvin Bragg. Uh, Alvin Bragg is overstepping his boundaries. We the people are calling for the arrest of Alvin Bragg for crimes of treason, election interference. I don't even know if that's a crime, but election interference, obstruction of justice, even lying to a grand jury. Trump done nothing wrong. We're here to sh show support for the greatest president ever, Donald Trump. Arrest Alvin Bragg. You know, in South Carolina, you could do citizens' arrests. So if Alvin Bragg ever comes to South Carolina, arrest him. Arrest him. We the people. Arrest yep. Alvin Bragg. Yeah. yeah. All right. What do you think was the best policy? Mr. Bragg, I tried to reach him on the telephone, but 
didn't work. So I decided, I let's end an email. And I said, dear Mr. Bragg, I hope you had a restful weekend and had some time to be on your knees praying to our God Almighty about your decision regarding our precious, precious President Donald J. Trump. How would you like to be in his shoes? His torture brings to mind what Jesus Christ went through to there was merchandise on Amazon kill Trump it was being sold on Amazon so that t-shirt's weird and that lady's saying he's like Jesus Christ no he's not that's just kind of creepy saying Trump is the only person that has cult members is because now you're paying attention this is the first right guy with cult members Reagan might have had some but I was too young to remember but every other candidate there was no cult for a righty every liberal guy there are people think that Biden is Jesus but you don't show that that's nothing you put on air so yeah it's creepy but I don't know anybody walking around with Trump in their purse. People walk around with Obama and Hillary and Fauci. I mean, this is this is the way we are, man. I mean, I, I get so frustrated with it because it's just comedic how the media cherry pick stuff and then they say, well, they're ISIS or they're a cult and they're dangerous. Because they've memory hold Anifa for three months. Anifa doesn't exist. They memory hold Jane's Revenge last summer. They memory hold Trump's inauguration and George Bush's inauguration, where we didn't even show the violence. They idolatrized Occupy Wall Street, where there were rape tents, World Trade Organization. If you show both sides, the majority of Americans are going to go, God, we got a problem. But you guys only care about one side. And the montage I played that I have played a million fucking times and I know it's annoying. Trump didn't say any of that on January 6th. They outright tell people to kick people's fucking asses. And that's okay. We don't, we have no problems with that in our media. We don't even see that as violence. We pretend it doesn't exist. We pretend that, nope, it's just a, it's just a righty problem. The right has a problem with violence. Donald Trump is so threatening. But you take everything he fucking says and you take it to the far extreme. Yet when we say, hey, Biden's fucking killing our energy policy. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, here's an interesting conspiracy theory. Two dead, nine missing after chocolate factory explodes. There are 20 plus food facilities that have been burned in 2022. I thought because I saw the left and media, oh, it's a conspiracy. Van Duren Farms, 80,000 foot square, square uh, burned and declared total loss. Cargill Neutrina Feed, gone. Oregon Potato Company, gone. Winston Weaver Company, um, it was fertilizer. 
Wisconsin River Meats, Lewis Dreyfus Company, Best View, Shearer Foods, Nutrient AG, Nestle Food Plant, Wayne Hoover Farm, Plantfield Walmart Fulfillment Center, Penascoban McCrum Potato Processing, Maricopa Food Pantry, Rio Fresh San Juan, East Conway Beef and Pork, Gem State Processing Plant, Taylor Farm, Salinas, California, Zura Standard, Dufer, Oregon, Nutria AG, General Mills, Covington and Covington, Georgia, Purdue Farms Chicken, Rail Car Derailment in Fort McLeod, Foreman Farms, Stockholm Township, J JBS Food, Green Bay, Festive Food, Belmont, Wisconsin, and this is still going. I'm, I'm not going to read them all, but it's still going. Who's doing it? If I had to take a guess, I'd say it's some lefty group. Same ones hitting the grid because we don't talk about it. There's no in-depth finding out who the fuck is blowing up our food processing. Nine times out of ten, it's liberals who think we're supposed to only eat vegetables. That's a major conspiracy theory that's actually true. I checked the list. They're true. They burned to the ground. But we don't cover that in the media because they're probably lefty groups. So, yeah, Trump's followers are scary. It doesn't make sense to me because I don't join. I'm not a joiner. I'm not going to wear a fucking DeSantis shirt in 2024. I'll hope he wins. I like him. I like what he's doing. He's listening to voters, independent, liberal, black, gay, straight. There's a lot of us who think that it's really bad to show blowjobs to fucking kids and are sick of seeing men prance around in girls' dresses showing their balls and dick. I don't want to see that in public. You don't want to see me naked. Why do I have to see you naked? So I like what he's doing. But I'm not going to wear a shirt. I'm not going to put a sign in my yard. With the way the world is right now, most of us have to censor what we believe in because we'll get our asses kicked, our car will get trashed. Who the fuck knows it'll happen? Remember, 9 out of 10 cars that almost ran over Antifa and BLM, that's just a theory, were black people just trying to get to goddamn work and their cars were surrounded by fucking hoodlums. Especially my favorite, NPR, Louisville. Total fucking horseshit. Total horseshit. It's all one-sided. All it is is one side. We don't cover the psychos on the other side. We only cover the psychos on the right. And then we say we have a white supremacy problem. Nope. We don't. Once again, FBI spread out all 1,000 and showed them in clusters all of the United States. And if we had a white supremacist part problem, we'd see it. We know where they live. We know the group names. You notice they never list it? They don't say anything. 
If it was such a problem, it'd be on fucking the cover of every goddamn lefty rag. MSNBC would be in front of him. CNN would be filming him. They'd be meeting him and lurk. Why are you a white supremacist? But we don't. Because it doesn't exist. There's white supremacists, Nazi, and racists in our country. There's also black supremacists. One of them ran down a whole fucking group of white people in Waukesian. And we didn't even cover it in the news. We never even went back to say he was a black supremacist. It was on page 20. Because that's how you guys roll. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Share with family and friends. Go to Fuck Podcast with the K. I want to change the name of the show. I'm thinking about just doing the Tony Reid show eventually, but I don't know. Um, I hate the K, but it was because there was a politic with a C. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Next podcast be the 29th of March, year of our Lord, 2023. Tomorrow I go swallow a fake camera. So I got to go and eat something because I can't eat after 2 o'clock today. Can't drink, can't breathe to do a fake camera plot to see what my digestive system's doing. That'll be interesting. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs and tune back in on the 27th. As always, thanks for listening and take care.